Hey universe, so is it wrong to leave a dog out barking like that? I wonder if you can hear that. Well, let's just say that that dog has been barking. And if I have to live with it, maybe I don't have to live with it. Booyah! How you doing, universe? I'm in that sort of... My alarm just got shut off without me getting out of bed mode. Does that mean the power went out? Not this time. Uh, Alright, dumbest feature of any alarm clock I've ever owned. Power went out for an hour and 45-50 minutes. My alarm clock has some sort of a 2-3 to three hour, I think it's between 2 and 3 hours even, of backup in case power goes down reserve battery. But when it comes back on, it came back on minus the time. So for the longest time, I was 90 minutes behind on my night. And I even remember looking at the clock when it said 10.45, thinking, 10.45, wow. Boy, do I have some time to get some shit done now. <laughs> uh, how could that not? Uh, and I didn't figure it out till like 2 in the morning. But, hmm, tonight, no problem. We got power. We got sleeping cat under hot lamp. We got sleeping dog on cool sofa. We got stoned resident on family property. Well, no, on personal property in family domicile. And we got an armory of THC weaponry in case anybody comes along with the appropriate regulatory paperwork necessitating that I have at least 20 varieties on hand, well, <clears throat> I can fill that out. But I don't need 20 varieties today. XJ13 will just have to do... Well, it doesn't have to do. It does quite pleasantly. And quite pleasantly... Well, I've actually had some extraordinarily noticeable random interactions walking the dog ran into three people in our one two three four block walk four and a half and all three people were just smiling elevation day experiences of less than five seconds only one of which was more than two seconds uh, one was, uh, brand new. I mean, eight week old, second walk, probably golden retriever and his mother, her mother. I can't remember if that dog was male or female now, but whatever. And just, you know, the smile you see on someone's face when they're now taking their new pet out for their first walk. It was just beaming from down the block. And I would normally 100% give that dog owner the block and cross the street with Phoebe. But Phoebe moves so slow now and she's just so easy going that I thought, what the hell, let's say hi to the young, young puppy. And that little hi was all we were trying to do because she has no business getting all crazy out in public with Phoebe around. So as we walked past her and then got to the next person who was 
someone coming out of the alley instantaneously on a bicycle who I heard coming, but I know didn't see me till the last second. Uh, but I had Phoebe under control. We were prepared. And as soon as he saw us and panicked that he knew he'd missed us and apologized in real time, I'm like, we saw you the whole time. And he smiled and gave me a thumbs up as he pedaled past me. Um, and it made me remember that I'm that guy 100%. Can't be just bombing out of the alleys. The alleys are dangerous because pedestrians have to be watching for you. And traffic's dangerous enough. Hell, I almost got hit three times in a row coming out of my alley. Literally. That was a wake-up call. Because the third time, I don't know how I didn't get hit. I should have. All right. And then uh, the third person is literally we decided to take the extra bigger loop around because she seemed pretty in a good mood. All this random interaction elevating our spirits. So we take the extra half block up and around. And we run into a guy who is polishing his car to marble-like finish perfection. And it is a uh, 2015-16 Midnight Blue Acura. And it looks gorgeous. Frankly, it looks showroom gorgeous. And as I'm walking by, I even said to him, I said, if that's not getting pulled into a showroom, then it's time for you to go on break. Because it's ready. And he looked at me and said, hey, man. Thanks. Thanks. And we just walked on by. I mean, it was like, you don't need to have much of a, there doesn't have to be much to have a lot of good things go right in your day. And I'm not trying. I'm just impressed that someone's putting that kind of work into a car parked on the street. That is pride in ownership. That is doing an outstanding job. And that is some random dude walking by saying, hey, I think that is awesome. Good work. You should be proud of yourself because if you were going for a fantastic looking car, you achieved it. And hey, young golden retriever owner, that smile you're wearing on your face is about anywhere between hopefully 12 and 20 years worth of fun return at the highest level. And if that wasn't a lesson to me, that when you bomb out of the alley, well, you're you're only being selfish. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. Those are the things that remind me of how clued in we get with our surroundings when we start to listen to the messages that we're getting. I saw a guy at the uh, grocery store as I was locking up my bike and it it's it was windy. It has been windy here. Like we, we get windy days, but not windy weeks. And the wind today was outrageous. <laughs> but a couple of days ago, when I'm locking up my bike right by the carts, um, guy with a baby who uh, has loaded up his cart. What he does is he comes out of the store grabs his bags, which I think are two, plus his baby, as he has put his cart into the return area and then walks to his car, which is parked right there, so it's about a 15-foot walk, and starts to load up. In that time, the cart where he had left it, which was in the return area, has shaken loose or has been blown free enough to start migrating that slow roll (laughs) down into the, well, who did this area? 
And so what does dad with baby do but get everything secured, shut all the doors, walk back six feet to return the cart to where it was before, more secure this time. And as I'm locking up my bike, I'm thinking, I wonder how many people out of 100 would actually do that. Because, I mean, I saw the whole thing happen and I was going to put the cart back. This guy had no business getting back out to do that. I mean, he had a, you know, that's my job at that point, frankly. He did the right thing. It just, uh, nature gave it a kiss. And since I noticed it, I'll fix it. But no, he fixed it. And so as he put it into the corral, I said to him, that was a really considerate thing to do. (laughs) And he looked at me and said, uh, well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, it was. He's like, well, I said, well, it got noticed. I mean, trust me. It was, and he got in his car and he drove off. And I'm not, it's just like, if I don't reach out to the people who I notice doing the right thing, not shirking off stuff that they really could, but instead completing everything to the state of order it should be in for the next person to get the best chance at their opportunity to enjoy the same opportunity just enjoyed. However you want to look at the cycles of energy, if everything you do is in preparation to give the experience as whatever defines the best possible transition for the next person coming along, you can. It just seems like sooner or later, even the knuckleheads clue in that it's working. And then it doesn't take much from there for everyone to just start realizing this is better. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I should have spent what? Hey, 10, 10, 10 minutes, 10 minutes talking about, I don't even know what. So since nostalgia, no, it's not nostalgia. The only thing, well, there's two things that I, losing newspapers is one of those old man things, right? It's like your, your grandfather's talking about, well, back in the radio days. Well, who gives a shit about the radio days, man? There wasn't even a picture. It was sound. Uh, you know, it's like, who gives a shit about newspapers? That's like paper, not even digital. And there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. And <clears throat> it is the sort of um, historical paradigm media delivery module that will be studied as a product of the times, right? Information aggregation and distribution will be a progression of which newspapers will have its chapter. And rightly so, that's all that's there. But what newspapers permitted, for me at least, that I don't think would have occurred really in almost any other circumstance was the daily short panel serial cartoon. And uh, it was probably the first media I fell in love with. I couldn't wait for the Sunday comics. Like I loved them (laughs) and I read every one of them. 
Well, I don't think I read Gasoline Alley and Little Abner every week, but I read them enough. I mean, I read them enough. In fact, when I was trying to think of how big an impact comics have made on me, and I don't mean book comics. I don't mean anything you would buy at Mile High Comics or anything you would buy that has DC or anything written on it. I'm talking about the stuff that was in the back of the newspaper or in the comics section, depending on how big a commitment your local newspaper had to distributing the comedy goodness that was Snoopy. And it's... As I, as I was trying to think about the, the her, heroic target for this this recording well it was easy to decide because flipping open to the back of the Rocky Mountain News or grabbing the comics section for the Denver Post on a Sunday morning with a donut in my hand while I was nine years old almost felt like life had found some meaning to me here I was knowing that if I could enjoy this level of information sharing as I did, then I'm sure at some point that page that says Metro and that front page and that other one might get interesting to me too. And while I certainly didn't understand why my parents would fight over the dumbest sections and always leave me the comics, boy was I excited that they did. Because I was a fan of comedy I was a big fan of artwork, even though I'm terrible. And the paneling composition of cartoons is, I think, what is the first real media art form that any kid falls in love with, whether it be comic books or comics in the paper. Well, used to be. And so I thought, well, how many of them can I actually remember? that were in the daily paper. And these are the ones I came up with. Blondie, though I called it Dagwood first, and then went back and realized that it was Blondie because I was going to write Blondie later, and I thought, wait a second. And I think I did that even at the time, and that's where the Dagwood sandwich comes from. And So that was the first one on the list. Nancy was second, probably because of that silly art style. But why Funky Winker Bean was third? I guess the name, right? Must have worked. Uh, BC, Beetle Bailey, Grin and Barrett, Tank McNamara. At this point, I was trying to think of the ones that were like CDE level and try to pull them in, like Grin and Barrett, um, while I had a wide sort of not-so-narrowed vision, myopic look at what I was trying to get done at the end here. Um, And so Tank McNamara... If anything, on the Sunday morning paper, I would skip, it would be that. Because who wants to read a comic about football coaches? I didn't. Um, Pogo I put next because I I don't know anything except for I've seen the face of my enemy and he is me. Or whatever the quote is. But that quote has had irked me at the time, had become revelation for me at some point, and then now stands as uh, one of the more important concepts I think you can truly understand. Anyway, so Pogo. On to Betty Boop, who's actually way late in the list, but she's right next to Pogo because that's where I have room. Uh, And I don't... Betty Boop is legit. Um, But I left some people off of here intentionally 
because I didn't think it was like Spider-Man. I know the amazing Spider-Man was in the weekly paper. Uh, so was, um, uh, Conan the Barbarian. So was, uh, I mean, Dick Tracy, I did put on the list cause I think he qualifies more, but there are some that I, I, I had trouble thinking of them as newspaper comics. So I left them off. They're not oversights, but, uh, Betty Boop is somebody who I know had a big animated, uh, presentation as well, but I think she's more of a comics presence than she's anything else so she, that's why i put her she was one of the last ones i i said okay i'll put her on peanuts obviously hagar the horrible um luann i was kind of surprised that i came up with luann so easily and didn't come up with another one um family circus dilbert far side um non sequitur uh i put the stanleys which was wrong um but I'll explain in a second why. I also had Trapper John, MD, and that's wrong. But I was thinking of two different comics at the time, just getting them wrong. Um, the Stanleys, I was thinking of... Um, oh, I might have had it on later on the list. So let me tell you at the end if I miss it. Uh, Doonesbury, Garfield. Uh, I can't see what that says. What do you know? Another one. Oh, that's Trapper John MD. Sorry. Um, I had Sergeant Fury on here. I don't remember if I checked that one now. I don't think that one's a, an actual newspaper serial. Ziggy is, though, and I had that on here. I had Clifford the Big Red Dog, which I don't believe qualifies, but I also have Marmaduke on here, which does. Um, I had... Um, Earth to the Gong? Er, er, uh, I don't know. Broomhilda I had on here. Kathy. Uh, the Locks. That's not one. Bloom County. Herman. Over the Hedge. Prince Valiant. Uh, Overheard. Dragnet. Andy Cap. Popeye. Born Free. Which I can't remember if that was one. Might have been. Pluggers, G.I. Joe, Dick Tracy, Dennis the Menace, um, Boondock Saints. Um, I, I don't know what that one is. It doesn't matter. Close to Home, Wizard of Id. And that's pretty much it. So the ones I definitely overlooked that count were Little Abner, Gasoline Alley, um, and uh, De Del <laughs> Dagbert. I don't remember the one that is Stan is Stanley's was Herman. I don't know why I thought Stanley's. I missed Milo and Otis, which I should never have missed, and uh, I missed. Um, Something else major that I was a fan of, but it doesn't matter. Oh, Tiger. Because my dad actually nicknamed me that as a kid from that comic. So that was a huge oversight just personally. But other than that, there's a list of about 50 of them, three or four of which are, are wrong. But that came back to mind of something I haven't read in forever. And it's 
it's the hmm, it's the sort of medium that I can remember specific comics from almost everything on the list, including Tank McNamara. You know, bowl game, rah 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 stuff. It's just it's it's uniquely available to both the art form and the comedic form in a simple, relatable three panel. Here's what I got. And it's hard to do. If you've never tried to write a comic, try it. (laughs) It is difficult. And the artistry that comes, I know that some of these are split between writers and artists and that's, 100% 100% understandable, frankly. It's, it's, a, it's a media presence that means so much to me. I hate the idea that it's gone. And it hasn't vanished, I understand that. And the art form will mature and move on into other graceful and more relatable uh, presentations. But the masterclass of relating and presenting in a way that realized the capacity this art form had to give came from Bill Watterson. And I think Calvin and Hobbes hmm, might be my favorite collection of material, period. Don't wake up for that thought, Phoebe. I like tigers. I like them um, because this there, there are things that are going to happen in your life that are going to come along at exactly the right time to become exactly meaningful in a way that you will 100% associate and relate to and think anybody who can't quite get it is losing out because you know how connected this is to this thought about life. Well, for me... The idea that you could come up with a better combination of character play than what Watterson does between this six-year-old boy and his pet imaginary stuffed tiger. Uh, (laughs) It's so above anything I would be able to create that I am mesmerized every time I visit it. And it's not that it's like reading Hegel, which is mesmerizing in a completely different way. No, it's mesmerizing because it has so much meaning that you will glean from it point to point that is personal, that it, it, it's, for me, it was almost like therapy, to be honest. It meant there were people in the world who were this good at something that I could appreciate in real time, how great it was. And when you reread Calvin and Hobbes, unlike, say, The Far Side, and this is what separates them to me, The Far Side is extremely intelligent. It is cleverly drawn. Its drawings are as much of its genius as anything. But it's also some of the wittiest comic material ever created. 
but it doesn't give me new insight when I read it today. And Calvin and Hobbes does. Calvin and Hobbes takes... This is... this. I went looking for a three-panel example of how he uses philosophical concepts in simple six-year-old conversation. It took me two pages. And I went looking to see if it was just luck. I could have had five more top... I could have had a top 10 in, in 15 pages. Because... Watterson didn't use um, the medium to deliver concepts of a simple nature to simple people, like, say, the family circus. He used the medium to translate simple concepts of complex nature to a wide audience. And everybody loved Calvin and Hobbes. I didn't know anybody who wasn't somewhat at a loss when it ended. This, to me, is worse than any TV show that ever went off the air. When when Watterson announced he was retiring, it was one of the few campaigns I might have taken up to say, please, please don't. That's how much Calvin and Hobbes and the Daily Paper meant. And I can't say that I wouldn't still be reading it every day if it wasn't still being produced at the level that the 10 years he did produce it gave us. But it's not even so much everything that's here in the books to be reread over and over again that keep giving me value, giving me new insight, and giving me new ways to appreciate not just Watterson, but life. That happens enough that this material stands out for its own greatness right there. But if you're going to have a hero in life, and I'm not going to tear up for this one, though I'm feeling a little misty because that's how rare these people are these days. But do you know what Bill Watterson said? Absolutely not to the Universal Syndication Index that controlled distribution of Calvin and Hobbes. He said no side marketing shit whatsoever. I don't want any likenesses. I don't want any dolls. I don't want any pet tigers out there. Nothing. If I let that cat out of the bag, I will lose the messaging. And if I lose the messaging, I'll lose the magic. And has anyone ever been more right than Bill Watterson about that? Bill Watterson... Knew from the time he was a kid, he wanted to be a com. He wanted to write comics. He was good at it. People around him knew he was good at it. And his attempts to get into the business were a couple of hiccups. But by the age of 27, 27, do you know what I was doing at 27? Trying to find my left shoe because the only one so far I've located is my right one. I know it's here. I did come home with it, I think. Wait, did I come home with my left shoe? Okay. No, Bill Watterson is debuting Calvin and Hobbes in 1985. And in 1995, Christmas... No, not Christmas Eve. New Year's Eve. December 31st, 1995 was the last syndicated Calvin and Hobbes panel. And in those 10 years, 
I don't think you can pick the best and the worst. It's all good. It's all great. It's all transcendent. And none of it is compromised by Calvin peeing into a puddle on the back of pickup trucks across America. In fact, (laughs) if there's anything I love about the only media imagery other than what Watterson controlled that's out there, it's Calvin pissing in angst at the world. I think even Watterson must love that. Because that's all that that made it through. Everything else got denied. Well, there's one there's that elementary school pam or not pamphlet, but module that's worth a fortune if you have one. But <laughs> anyhow, in other words, Calvin and Hobbes is Watterson's presentation to the world of here it is. This is what I have to offer. It's my message. It's my gift. And I'm never going to let anybody else take anything away from it. And he's been absolutely true to his word since all of us thought, come on, sooner or later there'll be a Calvin and Hobbes video game. What the? Well, no, there wasn't. So, Mr. Watterson, I got to say, if I was going to the moon and I could only take one book, well, I think I can say probably 100% it would be the essential Calvin and Hobbes. Because you know what? Nothing can give me a boost of, all right, I feel better about everything now than reading a few of your panels. So I'm not trying to in any way do anything here but pay homage to how brilliant you are. Because had I written these three panels, well, I think I would have said I've done the best I can do. This is my peak. And this is just one of many in a series that's just... Well, Calvin and Hobbes might be (laughs) the best friends I've got. Other than Phoebe. But in this particular simple little conversation in the snow, as Calvin and Hobbes walk together, Calvin likes, says to Hobbes that he likes to verb words to which Hobbes has the natural reply of what? And Calvin explains, I take nouns and adjectives and use them as verbs. Remember when access was a thing? Now it's something you do. It got verbed. Verbing weirds language, says Calvin. And the response Hobbes has here, maybe we can eventually make language a complete impediment to understanding. Oh my God, it's such a genius response. I can't even describe it. And... Not only is that funny in real time when it's in the paper, it is funnier today. And what I guess I'm saying about reading something again and getting different wisdom from it, I I have certain books and even movies that I think fall into that same category of teaching me more the more I get along with life. But Calvin and Hobbes, this time around, and I read quite a bit of them because I wanted to get a feel again for Watterson and the the simplicity of his comedy. It really is relatable from a six-year-old to a 96-year-old. 
there is a magical timelessness to Calvin and Hobbes. And obviously, if you look at a, at a cartoon like Andy Cap or Beetle Bailey or, frankly, a lot of them, they, they have issues with relevancy, especially sustained relevancy. And in some ways, maybe they missed the boat when they thought they had more to say than they did. And Bill Watterson, I'm sure, has more to say than what we got. But what we got, frankly, changed my life. As I look back now, I know one of the things I could always take a little bit of a better day from was whatever panel was sitting in the comics with Calvin and Hobbes arguing over whatever. I looked forward to it every day. And I would take your book to the moon, Mr. Watterson. I mean, assuming men have... Uh, never mind. I think of you as a hero. I think of you as an influence. And above all, I think of you as one hell of a human being. <laughs>